Again, it will be like a man, go man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one who with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are hard, a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit in the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold with you and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will, whoever has, will given, be given more. They will have abundance. Whoever does not have ever, even what they have will be taken from them and throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks. You may be seated. You remember that moment, don't you? That moment when the college admissions letter arrived in the mailbox. Do you remember that moment when that college admissions letter arrived in the mailbox? For our, senior, our seniors this year, they were remembering the moment that the email arrived in their inbox. But back in my day, uh, you got an admissions letter from the universities that you had applied to. And I can remember that moment when I received my admissions letter from Georgia Southern University, the greatest university in America. And I remember thinking, 
as I held that letter in my hand, there's no way they're not letting me into George Southern, right? I filled out the postcard, you know, put my social security number and, and where I went to high school and mailed it in. Like that was the thing. It was not hard to get into Georgia Southern uh, back when I was uh, applying to, to go to college. But I remember that moment when the letter came in the mail and I held it in my hand and I wasn't really sure of whether I was going to be celebrating or upset and disappointed later on in the afternoon. Will it be good news? Will it be bad news? There's that sort of sense that if you don't open the letter, then maybe things won't change and you can just go on living blissfully unaware of what is to come. Maybe you haven't experienced that moment personally, but you've seen that very scene played out in TV or in a movie. Or maybe for you, it wasn't around college admissions at all where you felt that moment where things could go one way or another. Maybe it was that moment whenever you saw the caller ID on your phone and it said that it was your doctor's office and you knew what they were calling about. You knew, that you knew they were calling about the results of that test or that scan and you thought to yourself, if, if I just don't open this, then maybe I, I, I cannot think about what might have to happen next. Fear, fear is, what it's, is at the root of all of those feelings. Fear has the power and the potential to freeze us and to keep us from acting. Last week, we started this series around the kingdom parables that Jesus tells by looking at the two shortest parables that Jesus tells. The parable of the treasure in the field. You remember how that one went, right? A man found a treasure in a field and he, uh, upon finding it, buried the treasure, went and sold everything he had to purchase the field that contained the treasure so that he could take hold of it. And also the pearl of great price. Between those two parables, there's only three verses. In the pearl of great price, a, a merchant who's traveled all around the world finds a pearl that's exquisite. It's worth everything, selling everything in order to take hold of. And so he does. He sells everything to take hold of that great treasure. The text, though, this week from Matthew 25, 14 to 30 has less to do with finding a great treasure and more to do with what you'll do when you've been entrusted with a great treasure. So what do you do once you take hold of the treasure hidden in the field? What do you do then? What do you do when you find that pearl of great price and you sell everything to possess it? What then? That's the question that today's parable addresses. As you heard earlier, Jesus says in Matthew 25, 14 to 30, again, it will be like a man, the kingdom of God, it's coming, will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and entrusted them with his wealth. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went away on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole, in the ground and hid his master's money. He hid his master's treasure. We talked about this last week. It's the, uh, the Folgers can style of financial management. The mayo jar financial plan. He hides his master's treasure. He hides the money that he's received. 
After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. A few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. And he has some explaining to do. Master, he said. I don't think he actually said it that positive and upbeat. I think he said, Master. I knew that you were a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one that has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they'll have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This parable deals with the question of how we actively wait for the coming of Jesus. Now, we use this parable during, um, during our financial campaigns each year as a part of what it means to be active in our service to the kingdom and service to the church. But this parable of the talents points more, to just, more than just our financial stewardship. It points to what God expects of us as we wait for the coming kingdom. And it hints to us at the blessings, at the blessings, our active waiting can become for us and for God. So in the parable, each of the servants is given a tremendous sum of money. And the master, excuse me, from the master, and is tasked with stewarding it for the master, caring for it until he returns. Even the last servant, who only receives one talent, one bag of gold, is given upwards of a million dollars today. This is a vast treasure. This is an incredible treasure, a great treasure that has been entrusted to each of the servants. And as Chelsea Harmon states, the point of the parable is that we, like the servants, have been entrusted with a vast treasure. Friends, we're to read ourselves into this parable. You and I, we've been given more than we could ever hope for in receiving the gospel. We've been given more than we could ever hope for in receiving salvation. We've been given more than we could ever hope for in receiving eternal life. These are the treasures hidden in the field. This is the pearl of great price. And if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, the question is no longer what will you let go of to take hold of salvation, but what will you do with it once you have it? 
once you have been entrusted with salvation, once you've been entrusted with eternal life, once you've been entrusted with skills, gifts, talents, and abilities, what will you do with what you have received now that you have it? Now, I want us to be careful here because many times when you hear this parable preached, people focus on using the talent, the bag of gold, the treasure that you and I have been given out of a sense of fear or out of a sense of duty, not wasting what's been entrusted to us. So we operate out of fear of disappointing God or disappointing ourselves. But here's the thing, friends. This parable is broader than just that. It's about more than just using or squandering our gifts. This is a kingdom parable. And this parable is about life in the kingdom of God, not just ministry or service. It's about what happens once we've been entrusted with the treasure of salvation and eternal life through the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's two ways to go there. The first, we've talked about a little bit already. The first is the way of fear. Again, fear of what God might do if we don't put our gifts and talents to work or if we happen to squander them along the way. The man entrusted with one talent was motivated by fear and it paralyzed him. It kept him from putting to use that which had been entrusted to him. Fear caused him to freeze. Friends, as the parable states, this is not the way that God wants us to respond to the gift of salvation, to the gift of eternal life, to the gift of his presence with us. The other way of responding, which is the way the first two servants respond, is joyful stewardship. It's joyful stewardship because, friends, when we put to work the gifts that God has entrusted us, when we use the gift of the gospel, when we use our skills, talents, and abilities, we find our true selves and we find joy as we discover who God has created us uniquely to be, who God has designed us uniquely to be. You realize, friends, that this is the point of discipleship, right? That it's not just about taking hold of salvation, but about realizing what a tremendous treasure we have been entrusted with. And as we take stock of the treasure that God has given to us, we use that treasure to discover who we are. Because it's only by understanding that we have been saved from the power of sin and death and raised to eternal life that we realize just who it is that we are. And it's only by using our skills, talents, and abilities that we discover the unique ways that God has knit us together. And it's only by doing those two things that our lives bring glory to God. You've been entrusted with a great treasure. What will you do with that treasure? How are you motivated to use that treasure? Is it out of a sense of fear? Or is that out of a sense of joy? and stewardship and gratitude for what has been entrusted to you. Because each of us has been given, if we're followers of Jesus, we've been given the treasure of the gospel. We've been given unique skills, personality strengths, passions and interests that can be used for the unique callings and circumstances 
of our lives. This is why each of the servants is given different amounts of money, different amounts of treasure. The one with five talents wasn't necessarily more worthy or special than the servant that was only given one. Each of the servants have varying areas of ability, varying skills. And I believe that God blesses and equips these in us and watches what we'll do with them. God gives us the treasure of salvation, of eternal life, Then he steps back and finds joy in seeing what we do with those gifts. It's sort of like Lego bricks. You guys know Legos, right? Yeah. You don't give your children an assortment of Lego bricks and they tear into the package, maybe on Christmas morning, to find the Lego set and go, great plastic blocks, right? I'm going to put each one in its own place on a shelf. We're going to put them in, in order of color and by size. That's how we'll do it. And I'll display them proudly. Each brick, there's the one bricks and the two bricks and the three bricks and the double height bricks and the flat bricks. That's not the point of Legos, is it? The point of Legos is to exercise your creativity, to be inspired, to do something unique and challenging. With that, what you've been giving, I find joy in seeing not only my children put together spaceships and and all sorts of play sets, But in seeing what they come up with, when the instructions have long since been thrown out, what they'll build with the gift they've been given, with the treasure they've been given. And I think God does the same thing to us. He entrusts us with the gospel. He entrusts us with salvation and eternal life, and then he steps back and says, have at it, kids. Build something I never expected. Do something you never imagined. Do something so incredible, so amazing, that people will come from miles around to see what it is that you have built with the treasure that I've entrusted to you. Friends, the gospel allows us imagination and creativity Not for our own sake so we can say, look what I've done. But for the sake of our friends and neighbors so that we can say, look what God has done and look what God is doing. And you're invited to bring your unique skills, gifts, talents, and abilities to be a part of building God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. The first two servants show themselves to be faithful. They commit themselves to the joyful adventure of stewarding the gifts that God has blessed them with. with. They allow those gifts to transform their life's focus during that season when the master is gone by committing to working with the gifts that the master has given them. And because they're willing to work with those gifts, they see their experience expand. They add to the treasure total, doubling the amount of talents, doubling the bags of gold, the gifts that they're able to offer back to the master. Good and faithful servants gain in life and in heaven by being willing to grow into the person that God has called and created them to be in their homes, in their workplaces, in their communities, and in the world as they put their talents to use for the kingdom of God And for the sake of the gospel. But all too often, we're like that third servant. 
And the third servant merely preserves the treasure given to him. He just preserves it. And preservation, it turns out, can be a sinful goal for spirituality and for religion. In fact, that's what religion is all about, is just preservation. This third servant was afraid because he was afraid of who he thought the master to be, so he didn't bother to even explore what his talent might be useful for. He didn't even keep it at the top of his mind. He simply dug a hole and buried it because of this fearful picture that he had in his mind of who his master was. Because he was afraid of his master, he was afraid to fail. He was afraid to not get approval. He was afraid of shame. And that fear motivates and controls his actions. And irony of all ironies, he reaps what he sows when he buries the gift that God had entrusted to him into the ground. Whereas the other servants reap an expanding treasure, gaining more and more experience of God's presence, blessing, and care because they're willing to risk the original treasure given to them by doing something. The last servant, the last servant fools himself by believing that the quality and security of the life that he has right now is better than the life that could be. And so he tries to keep things the same. He thinks that all, will be, all that will be demanded of him is what he has. Speaking of keeping things the same, I found this interesting. When systems theorists talk about change over time, they talk about how the processes that get you results today don't necessarily mean they'll get you the same results tomorrow. I'm going to say that again. The processes that get you results today won't necessarily get you the same results tomorrow. Actually trying to maintain situations through the same actions repeated over and over again leads to a future of decline. And that's because tomorrow's circumstances are different than today's. Tomorrow's circumstances are different than today's and doing the same thing on a different day doesn't actually keep things the same. It just puts you behind. I think Jesus would caution us about burying the treasure of salvation, of eternal life, of the gospel in the ground. In his commentary, The Way Opened Up by Jesus, Jose Pagola puts these words in our mouths if we were standing in the place of the third servant as he hopes to simply preserve God's gift. He says we'd say something like this, here is your gospel, your project of the reign of God, your message of love for these who suffer, we have kept it faithfully. We haven't used it to transform our life or introduce your kingdom in the world. We didn't want to take chances, but here it is, undamaged, preserved, just like you gave it to us. Unfortunately, friends, when we choose to live this way, refusing to grow into the things that God has for us, we lie to ourselves. We haven't faithfully kept God's plans if we've only kept a record of the words, like putting Lego blocks up on a shelf without ever having built anything out of them. If we keep a record of the words but refuse to become doers of them, we haven't honored the message 
we haven't honored the message, if we haven't let it transform our lives and transform our relationships and transform our world because the grace of God does that, friends. It transforms us from the inside out and it transforms every part of who we are in every place that we go. But not if we dig a hole. Not if we hide it away. Not if we fail to use our creativity and our imagination to build God's kingdom. Because if our story is simply hiding the gospel away so it's undamaged and it reveals how truly and deeply broken and damaged we are because we never dared to put the gospel and our gifts to the work for the kingdom and we never discovered who God truly is and who we were created to be. But that doesn't have to be who we are. There is an alternative. We can pursue the gifts and opportunities and live as kingdom people in all the spaces and all the places that God has called us to. Today, you can dig up that treasure, that gift that God has entrusted to you. You can get it out the ground and you can begin putting it to work for the sake of God and for God's kingdom. You can begin using your God-given creativity and inspiration to make a difference in the hearts and lives of the people who are in your homes, who will be in your homes on Thursday, or who home whose homes you will be in on Thanksgiving. You can make a difference with the gospel today. You just have to take a little risk. And when we risk being creative with the gospel for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of God, tremendous things happen. We find not only joy for ourselves, but we find that our master is pleased our Heavenly Father, who says that, that's the way to do it. Build something new. Do something great. Dare to do the impossible with the gifts, talents, and the gospel that I've entrusted to you. So here's the thing. God has blessed us with gifts just like the servants in our parable to further God's kingdom and the gold bags, the talents, they aren't a test, friends. They're an invitation. What will you do with what you have been given? What will you do with what's been entrusted to you? Will you dig a hole? Or will you find a way to multiply the gift that God has given you? Let's pray. Almighty God, you have given us so much. When you saw us broken by sin and circumstances, when you saw us in chains, you stepped out of heaven and put on flesh, and you dwelled among us full of grace and truth. Through your life, through your life, you showed us how it is that we are called to live. Through your death, you erased our sinfulness and our brokenness. And through your resurrection, you raised us to eternal life. What an incredible gift you've given to us. Help us, Lord, to share that gift with the world. Help us to live lives that others desire to imitate, not because of who we are or what we've done, but because of what you have done inside of us. 
Lord, help us to be people who restore the broken places in our world because we carry the gospel and your kingdom to those places and help us to invite people into the eternal life that you have offered us so the whole world might experience salvation in you and through you. Lord, keep us from burying the treasure. Help us to use it that you might be glorified, that we might find joy and purpose, and that the world might be forever transformed. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.